And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, commodity markets continue to watch crop progress in South America. Dr. Michael Cordodier with Soybean and Court Advisors says South American farmers are losing some potential harvest to weather conditions. In Brazil, the problem is they had very hot and dry weather, October, November, and early December, and that really impacted the early maturing soybeans. And to give you an idea, in Mato Grosso, as of last Friday, the soybeans were about 6.5% harvested, and the average yield thus far, 35 bushels per acre. That's about 20 bushels less than what was anticipated. And it was all because of the hot, dry weather during Podfield. And about 40% of the soybeans in Monte Grosso are early maturing. So the hot and dry weather speeded up the growth cycle for the soybeans, reduced the yield, and delayed the planting. Farmers in northeast Brazil recently finished planting their soybeans, water two months behind normal forecasters are lowering their soybean yield predictions. I lowered my Brazil soybeans 2 million tons to 149. All the private estimates have been lowered due to the poor yields of the early maturing soybeans. Now, the soybeans nationwide last Friday are like 2.5% harvested, and that's going to pick up now with some drier weather and more later developing soybeans maturing. So this has been historic loss for soybeans in central Brazil. Despite the yield loss, South America will still produce a lot of soybeans thanks in part to improved numbers in Argentina. Yeah, well, if you look at all of South America combined, right now the soybean production is going to be up about 18 million tons from last year. But there's a big caveat here. I have Brazil soybeans 149, and some of the losses in Brazil are being made up by good increases in Argentina. Last year, Argentina had a terrible, terrible year. Their soybean production is like 25 million tons. This year, I have them at 52 million tons. So some of the losses in Brazil are being made up by Argentina, but if you look at the whole South America continent, there's probably going to be more soybeans than last year, but much less than what we anticipated a couple of months ago. Argentina's crop production doubled last Last year's numbers. Yeah, well, last year was historic drought. You know, it was the worst drought in 60 years. You know, I have Argentina soybeans 52 million tons. That's like a long-term trend. So that's what it should have been last year. But they had just such a terrible drought. It's going from a very bad year to quite a good year. And the moisture in Argentina has been improving for the last month or two. Crops have improved as well. The soybeans, as of last Friday, were 93% planted and about 30% blooming. And the corn was 85% planted and about 20% pollinating. And I raised both estimates. Well, Cordonier's current estimate for Brazil's soybeans is 149 million metric tons. Brazil's corn estimated to be 115 million metric tons. Argentina's soybean estimate is 52 million metric tons and the corn at 56 million. Paraguay's soybean estimate is 10 million metric tons and Paraguay's corn is estimated at 5 million. Well, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association strongly supports the Death Tax Repeal Act introduced in both the House and Senate. NCBA says it's unconscionable for cattle producers to face a tax that forces them to sell all or part of their family's farm or ranch due to the death of a family member. NCBA President Todd Wilkinson of South Dakota says, quote, with the cost of farmland rising rapidly, the death tax presents a significant threat to the future of family farms and ranches. Most cattle producers have significant assets but are cash poor and operate on thin margins, leaving them with few options when they are saddled with an unexpected tax liability, end quote. Now, the NCBA says some producers get forced to sell off assets, including land, livestock, farm equipment, and even their home. Current death tax relief expires at the end of 2025, and it's vital that Congress acts soon to provide permanent relief. 
Well, the radio industry hit an important milestone as the number of lawmakers in the House who back efforts to make AM radio mandatory in vehicles has reached 200. The list has grown even as the proposed AM radio in every vehicle act is yet to make much legislative progress in the House. Insider Radio says the growth in support could be critical if bill sponsors try to attach the measure to a piece of must-pass legislation like a spending bill. National Association of Broadcasters spokesman Alex Ciliano credits grassroots support for helping broadcasters to gain so many co-sponsors of the act during the past year. He says, quote, AM radio is continuing to reach a vast audience of 82 million listeners each month, and they've been very engaged in telling Congress how important this medium is to them in light of the threat by vehicle makers to remove AM from vehicles, end quote. Growth Energy, the nation's largest biofuels trade association, published its 2024 federal policy priorities. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score says, quote, these are policy decisions that will shape the next era of growth in plant-based energy and climate solutions. We hope these priorities serve as a roadmap for elected officials seeking to support biomanufacturing facilities at the heart of America's bioeconomy, end quote. Now, the policy priorities focus on ensuring drivers could use more lower-carbon, lower-cost bioethanol at the pump at home and abroad. The group wants to restore permanent, unrestricted access to E15 year-round nationwide. Growth Energy also wants to use bioethanol to expeditiously advance the national transportation carbon reduction goals. They want to make sure the Department of Energy incorporates the best science and makes limited changes to the GREET model as it relates to the 408 Sustainable Aviation Fuel Tax Credit. They want to ensure changes are finished by March 1st of this year. Well, the Supreme Court heard arguments against Chevron deference this week, the legal test for when federal courts must defer to a government agency's interpretation of a law. Travis Cushman, American Farm Bureau Federation Deputy General Counsel for Litigation and Public Policy, explains. Chevron deference is a judge-created rule about 40 years ago that basically tells judges not to decide hard questions of law, but to defer to federal agencies. As a result, what this basically does is it takes power away from Congress, away from the judges, and creates a super branch of government headed in these executive branch administrative agencies. Cushman says Chevron deference has fundamentally changed the government impacting agriculture. Every agency we work with as a result of this has tried to attempt to enlarge their power beyond what Congress contemplated. For example, WOTUS, Water the United States, over the past several decades, EPA and the Army Corps continue to draft rules that are clearly outside of what Congress intended. And lower courts will keep on deferring to the agency saying, oh, yeah, this, this WOTUS rule is good. And it's not until we get to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has to say, no, actually, this rule isn't good. So it's empowered the EPA and the Army Corps to put out WOTUS rules that eventually get overturned, but we get stuck with them for many years. The Supreme Court is evaluating whether to keep the Chevron deference. The court heard two cases that were challenging it. Uh, it was very exciting to be there. At the very least, it seems that all judges agreed that Chevron is not workable as it is today. And I'm hopeful that they'll we'll get a majority to flat out get rid of the doctrine, which would return much more power to Congress and the judiciary and put agencies back in, in the original function of just enforcing the law. And once again, that's Travis Cushman with the American Farm Bureau. And the National Agricultural Statistics Service estimates Illinois soybean farmers raised the U.S. leading 648.9 million bushels on 10.3 million acres in 2023. Compared to the previous year, total acreage and yield estimates were both 4% lower in Illinois. Average soybean yields remain the same in 2023 at 63 bushels an acre. That's going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.